Hello listeners and welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. I'm your host Adam Scully and in this podcast we take a look at players and coaches that we believe have very bright futures in the game. In the last episode we looked at one of the best young goalkeepers in Europe that many teams from the top five European leagues will be keeping a close eye on right now and that man is Lucas Lund from Viborg in Denmark. It was actually our first ever episode of the TFA Scouted Podcast centred around a goalkeeper. So do go check it out and I hope we did Lund justice because he is a phenomenal talent. However, today we're moving back to outfield positions and we'll be analysing a bright spark in Italian football amongst the struggling generation. Simone Pafundi, at just 17 years old, has already made his full international debut for the Italian national team under Roberto Mancini, which is a phenomenal achievement for a player his age. He also made a handful of appearances for Udinese in Serie A in what has been a really solid season for Andrea Sotil's side, and there is much hope for the youngster's future. Pafundi made his Serie A debut last May, becoming the first ever player born in 2006 to make his debut in the country's top flight. I started watching football in the 2006-2007 season, the same year he was born, so I almost threw up my mouth when I found out how old he was. Anyway, this podcast will not be centred around my struggles with mortality, but will be an analysis of what makes Buffondi one of the most exciting talents in Europe. A player who could be a star for the Azzurri for years to come. To do so, I'll be joined by my co-host and TFA recruitment analyst, Brian Marquez, who has watched Buffondi very closely over the past few months. Before we begin, though, please make sure to rate the podcast. Five stars, hopefully. It's greatly appreciated and helps us to grow the podcast and to get more and more excellent guests on. And to get more and more ears on the podcast too, which is always, always fun. So now, without further ado, let's get into our analysis of the attacker by speaking to Bryant. Bryant, welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. How have you been since we last spoke? Hello, Adam. All has been really, really well. A very busy week, but again, really happy to be here again with you to talk about this young and really exciting players. It has been a very busy week. It was magazine week at TFA, which is the most stressful week of the month because there's just so much that's involved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's crazy. And like, not only do I have to approve the pitches and everything like that and make sure everything's in order, I have to write two of my own as well. And it's incredibly stressful. I wrote about, not to spoil and I'll only say one piece, so I've written about Wigan for the magazine and the kind of season from hell they've had in terms of yeah. financial problems. But also, I I didn't focus on that really. I wanted to look at on-the-pitch issues because that's what we do. So I looked at tactically, why have they failed so badly this season under three different managers? So you had Liam Richardson, then, then of course, Colo Torre, famous Premier League footballer, and then Sean Maloney, who 10 years ago, I think next week, I believe, he is the is the is the tenth anniversary, sorry, of his assist for Ben Watson's goal against Man City in the FA Cup final in twenty fourteen when they won it and they yeah. got relegated like a week later. So it's so crazy, and they've they, they're now getting relegated back down to League One ten years on. It's been a really turbulent decade for them. Um, Brian, what did you write about for the magazine? Or you tell people what you wrote about and, and kind of discuss the the general ideas of it? Yeah, it, well, if you wrote two pieces and tell about one and I wrote one I don't know if I if I, I have to talk about it <laughs> but, well, what's the title even a little to 
Yeah, but it's um, it's a really interesting one. I think it's one of the most interesting I have done in 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 months. Maybe yeah. Uh, uh, since I I am in in total football is an analysis on why and how good Nigeria have been developing strikers lately. Mm-hmm. They have gone from having not a single striker that establish in their national team. You know, like I don't know, Drogba or Eto at Cameroon and Yeah. And Ivory you Coast. Know, yeah, and Ivory Coast. And now Nigeria has this large amount of strikers uh, like Ossiman and Ossiman obviously is the main man, mm-hmm. which I well I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's a really good one and it, it's a I think it's one of my longest pieces, but just take well, a minute or five minutes and you are going to have a good read. Well, one of the centre forwards, of course, we can spoil is somebody we spoke about in the podcast only a couple of weeks ago, which was yeah. Victor Bonaf- Victor Bonafast. Now I won't spoil the rest because I want people to read the the article <laughs> so when it gets we'll, produced we'll in about spoil one. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, we spoiled one here. Yeah, yeah we spoiled <laughs> one, but Victor Bonifaz is in there, and of course there's there's several other Nigerian centre forwards yeah. who are just killing it at the moment. They have such a good yeah pool of, of centre forwards coming through which is crazy because it's like it reminds me of um apologies if I get the, I always get these mixed up and I know it's poor for me but is it is a Slovenia that had like Handanovic and Oblak <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy it's like I don't know Brazil or Germany on the on the goal as well yeah yeah it's it's like with Nigeria you have four or five incredible centre forwards and only like one can play if you play well usually you'll play with a one striker system so it's bizarre but anyway Enough about enough about different players. Today we're going to speak about Simone Pofundi. Brian, as I alluded to in the introduction, or not as I alluded to, as I kind of had a, a mini little mental breakdown while I recorded it, uh, Pofundi was born in 2006. I started watching football uh, in the 2006-07 season, and he was literally born then. That makes me <laughs> feel incredibly old. Now, I know you're younger than me, but not by too much. Um I just yeah I don't know I I find it so odd when I look at these players and he's already made his Italian national team debut. Well, how incredible is that for a player of that age? Yeah, that that's crazy. He's uh the youngest player to play in Italy in a hundred years. You know, um, he that, sixteen that's when he made his debut. 16, yeah, that, that, that's crazy. But when he was born, I was three at that time. So yeah, it's it feels kind of crazy because. Then it's three years loss of my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I watch these players and it's like, wow, what I was doing with one year. It's something like yeah. so exaggerated. Like he he was making his debut for or in Syria at sixteen and was making his national team debut around the same time. I think I, I think he might have been seventeen when he made it. I can't remember. He or else he was coming towards the end of his of his sixteenth year. That's a bad way to put that. Um. I remember what I was doing at sixteen, seventeen, and I, 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 it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't match up with the feats of oh. of, of Simone Pafundi. <laughs> um, totally not. One yeah. thing that one thing that sticks out the most when you watch him, and I don't want to throw the cliche of what everyone will instantly go to when you have a great dribble of the next Messi, but. Yeah. But, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. massive but, right? So big disclaimer. He's like you know. When you say a player's like Messi, you're 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 almost saying it tongue in cheek. But you're almost 
asking for for sorry before you're saying that. Yeah, I feel like you're already killing him before he grows. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how many yeah. next Messi's have we seen over the years? I mean, Bojan uh, Kirkic was meant to be the next Messi, and that's, and he's retired now. Um, but I do want to say that he has that incredibly explosive dribbling, and it, it's it, it's a it's a an attribute I love in a player, and it's it's explosive dribbling, but it's he he sprints with the ball, but yeah. never has to kick the ball too. Like you have players like wingers like Daniel James who thrive off kind of kicking the ball in front of them, and they're so quick they run onto it. Pafundi is the yeah. type of player that can accelerate, and he is rapid, but he's rapid with the ball really close to him, so he never has to push it too far ahead to get in front of a player. He has that explosive dribbling. Um, it's just it's such an amazing it's such an amazing thing to watch when you watch him like take on players and then he just drop his shoulder and he'll go explosively dribbling with the ball but he'll never push the ball too far ahead of him it's always right at his feet i think that's an amazing quality what else stood out for you when you watched Pafundi? yeah for me watching Pafundi was a really joy it was so fun to watch him because mm-hmm. i love attacking midfielders and mainly left-footed attacking midfielders yeah. and he plays with such freedom you know he is the definition of playing football like mm-hmm. not let's not play as a midfielder let's play football so he can go anywhere to try and pick the ball and he is so so good like turning his body Th- that's the thing because you can say a lot of players are similar or are the new Messi because of their dribbling or because they are good. You know, you can say they're the new Messi only because they're good and they're going to mark like an an era and all, all, all of that. But to me, I haven't watched a player with body gestures so similar to Messi mm-hmm. than Pafundi. The thing is, that body uh, gestures for me are like this old Messi we have watched and not the young one. Yeah. You know, it, it, Pafundi has a really rapid dribbling and those sprints just seem so, so good. Mm-hmm. Like he passed through players with such ease and take shots with his left foot. And he is so aggressive to go between the lines, receive the ball and then turn. And he can do like two or three body turns just to dribble you, just to annoy you. And then he is running and running. He attracts many players and then release the ball or just attracts players and escapes the small spaces with such an ability. You know, it's it, it well, makes... Like want, you, you think it's easy. Well, I want to touch on something you said there. You said he attracts so many players, and it's actually only a term I really started using since we started recording this podcast. Because you were the first one, not to coin the phrase overall, but on the podcast you spoke yeah. a lot about. I can't remember the player we were talking about at the time, but you mentioned the word gravity because, like in yeah. basketball, you have players that are, everyone gravitates towards. So you can almost take out two or three players just by being that good. And when he plays on the pitch especially when you watch him at Primavera level where he is just yeah. levels above everyone else in the pitch, <laughs> respectfully to yeah, yeah, totally. the opposition, of course. At the highest level, you'll see a little bit more of, of defenders willing to go 1v1 against him. But at Primavera level, the the gravity he has to 
draw so many players at once just to his surroundings because they're so terrified of leaving a man one v one against him because he will he will destroy you one v one. Yeah, but he one in one v one. It's not uh, the typical one v one outside on the wing and mm-hmm. you know going outside or going inside. Uh, Pafundi has such a an agile hip to turn his body and just faint you with his uh, movements. But, but the thing is, when you have this kind of close control and quick footwork, to you, you have. You hide the ball, you know? You are running and you're hiding the ball, touching it and touching it and touching it, and then you decide if you're going to shoot or not. So you have the basic resources to be a dribbler and to be threatening, be a threat to the rival, mm-hmm. to the opposing team. When you receive between the lines, the re- the first time you receive the ball between the lines, the other team know that they they have to know it's a threat because it's the way the dynamic way he moves to the ball and he already knows he not he already knows because he is young and I I, I don't think he he's that scanner of the place but he mm. already is moving his body trying to faint to one side then go to another then spin full, like making a full spin is such an unpredictable player when he gives that first touch to the ball because you don't know if he's going to run if he's going to turn or he's going to pass the ball and normally he retains the ball and has this press retention without being a physical prowess but with that technique with that technique to have the ball and just evade the press and escape tight spaces is unbelievable for his age again he has 17 years at this moment we're recording the the podcast yeah one thing as well i noticed and it's not so much his on the ball abilities but something that i think goes under the radar almost is off is his off the ball abilities and i don't mean defensively what i mean is his movement so there was a game he only came on for a couple of minutes and obviously when you play it in Serie A level he's not going to receive the ball especially with Udinese respectfully to them he won't receive the ball as much with the force team in men's football to professional game as he would at Primavera level. But he makes a lot of off the ball runs and and it's he's really quick. Now he's not the biggest guy in the world. I think he's five for five. He's only yeah. 17, so there's a little bit of wiggle room for for growth. So maybe he'll go to five six five seven, although it just depends on how late you grow. Maybe he won't, so maybe five five will be his ultimately will be how he you know his his, his height stays. It's not a not really a problem. Some clubs might have an issue with it, but for the most part, it might not be an issue, but he makes a lot of runs in behind. So quite often in the game I watched, I believe it was against Sassuolo from a couple of months back. It was two all at the end of the game. He came on around the 86th minute, I believe he made so many runs behind the back line. And what would happen was yeah. the, the fullback of Sassuolo would, would step out to mark uh, Udinese's wing back because you, I suppose when you when you play a four against the five back, the fullbacks do step out to the wing back, so it creates that space down the side of the wide centre backs, and he makes those runs really well. And he did; they didn't find them, but yeah, the, the threat was there, the movement was there, and he, okay, you might not always receive the ball, and you might not always get the plaudits for the work you do, but you can see him make those runs, and I think that's a really good skill because it shows that it's not just 
on the ball, he's yeah, he, he shows his worth because there's that famous quote from Johan Cruyff where he says, "You're you're in possession only for like three minutes of a game." I actually think that's lessened now to about one point yes, five, yeah. I believe. So no, like, I mean, yeah. So in a ninety minute match plus, you're in possession for a minute and a half to two minutes only. It it matters <laughs> it matters what you do on the ball in those two minutes, but it also matters what you do out of possession when your team have the ball and are you stretching the back line? Are you dragging people out of positions? He does that really well and he's quite an intelligent player at it. I I want to discuss his kind of ability to to be a threat in the box. I don't think he's like a fox in the box player, but he, he chips in with some goals. He has a nice left foot on him as well. What were your take what what's your take on his his prowess inside yeah. the penalty area. Yeah, inside the penalty box, when well, when he's arriving or he's at the edge or he's inside the box, for me, it's a player... Obviously, he has the capacity to cut to his left foot mm-hmm. and then take shots and powerful shots and all that. And he does it really well. He doesn't get uh, that much to the box without the ball, you know, because Mm. normally he arrives to the edge of the box, driving it and carrying the ball and dribbling. And then he creates his own angle. He's self-sufficient to create new angles to take shots, you know? Yeah. And, but at times I felt one of his weaknesses at the moment, and obviously he has weakness. He's a 17 year old player. Um, For me, he is too aggressive at times too vertical and he wants to end all his actions like yeah. the edge of the box you know he he he, he doesn't look like uh to make a through pass or something like that mm-hmm. on a, occasionally he can produce this pass because he has the quality and technique to to make that but he is like too aggressive and uh, it, in football, you cannot be to this or less that. You have to find a middle point to to work on that. And for me, he is a a bit. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. He's he's way too aggressive to to go and and find the shot. You can have technique and you can have a powerful uh, execution, but sometimes it, it it's not the best decision. You know. Yeah, and of course he is only seventeen, and that will come in time, and especially at the men's level where professional level, sorry, where, you know, I suppose down in Primavera level, you're given a bit more leeway to kind of be expressive. Whereas at the force team level, it's highly tactical. It's highly, I mean, you're playing with experienced players that will be very, uh, I'll try not to swear, ticked off. If you kind of waste actions or you're too selfish and, and especially in the top five league where the, the demands are so, so high. And Udinese are a decent side this season. I believe they're still in the top 10 or just lingering on it. I think they're about 10th. So being a selfish player will not, it's not going to be something that's pl- that's applauded by the players he plays with at that level. I do want to throw something out there though. In terms of a comparison of a player he reminds me of, and before I say this player, I don't think he possesses the goal-scoring instinct that this player possesses in terms of they're very similar in their dribbling style and how they approach getting to the penalty area, how they how they take players on, their explosive dribbling, even the, the types of shots they attempt. 
But I think this player who has more a bit more experience is more instinctive in the box. And he has played as a centre forward a couple of times at youth level and with in the, the professional game as well. He reminds me of uh, Sunderland's loanee Amadiallo, who's, of course, on loan from Manchester United. Amadiallo's a little bit bigger and a little bit more physically built than Pafundi. And I'm not sure if you agree or not, Brian, but uh, when I watched yeah. him, I went back back and watched Diallo because as soon as I watched Pafundi, I thought, he reminds me of, of Ahmad. So I went back and I watched Ahmad and my my thought process was correct. Although maybe I'll be, I was watching with a bit, a bit of bias because I already believed he was similar anyway. But I do believe they're quite similar players, the way they, they take players on, they're both left foot. They like to cut inside from that right flank as well. But as I said, yeah. Amad Diallo, while he has more experience, is a little bit more instinctive in the box. So he, you'll see so many times he's in the right place at the right time for a cross to come in. But Fundy doesn't really share that same instinct because he's not... Yeah. He's not a, uh, while Diallo's a a winger and he is an attacker. He's more of a goal scoring kind of in exactly, the box, yeah. fox in the box poacher type player as well. Whereas Buffundi's more, as you said, he's a little bit more selfish. He he creates his own opportunities essentially. No, and they are so mentally brave, you know, because mm. if you go and watch like the three or five actions Pafundi had in his national team debut, you're going to watch a really brave player. He make a through pass and he yeah. asks for the ball between the lines on the outside and even on the base of the play, like dropping down to get the ball. So that's really good to see on, on, on young players. And Matt obviously doesn't have the, the age Pafundi has, mm -hmm. but they they're still so young. And that's the kind of thing coaches want from this kind of players. Just to be brave, to ask the ball. When you like make this off the ball runs to go and ask for the ball on pockets of space between the lines that's so so um that's really gold for for coaches that has bring the opportunity for young players and yeah they are looking for it like that and that's really really good from from Pafundi and Amad and I really think they are similar players in the way they move up with the ball, their ideas. But yeah, that, that's maybe the difference. Ahmad, is, as they are two aggressive players looking for the goal, but Ahmad has this goal scorer instinct inside yeah. of, of the box. And that's that's a thing you 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 could add to your to your playing style and it, it's going to be massive. Mm -hmm. Before we move on to a wider discussion about well, actually I'll I'll save it for a minute or two. I, I, I want to ask you about his weak foot. Talk to me about his weak foot. How is he on his right foot? Yeah, but sometimes I, I, I watch him and he uses it so, so occasionally. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the times, the moments he, he used that weak foot, I, I wasn't really um, counting it as a, a, a bad execution, you know, yeah. like poor execution or, or something like that. It wasn't, but I think he could be regular on that and that's the thing you have to ask for an attacking midfielder and mostly because if you only drive the ball with one foot and you don't like pass the ball to the right and then to the left something that many attacking midfielders uh, have done in their careers to hide the ball and to be so 
difficult to dispossess mm-hmm. uh, even players who are looking to to make a tackle. He has to to improve that regularity on on you on using his weak foot. And even if he plays as a winger, I mean, you see at Manchester United yeah. with with Anthony, you know, yeah, a, a, a wonderful left foot, a wonderful left foot, if you want to call it, but no right foot, and it, it hinders him because there's so many occasions where a right foot cross is the correct thing to do, but he doesn't really have the he's not comfortable enough using his right foot. So I think for Profundi, you're right. When I watched his games, he didn't really use it a whole lot. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I wouldn't be able to give the listeners a good, you know, viewpoint on my behalf of whether or not he's actually good with his right foot. I would like to see him a little bit more using it. Um, I think he's really good on his left foot, of course, but I think it's also important to use your right foot because the situation with the game depends on it. Um, we're going to move on then to a wider discussion about the Italian national team. Now, Buffundi made his international debut already. I believe it was against Albania. I think it might have been. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it might, I, I'm pretty sure it was against Albania. I could be wrong. But he's played 60 minutes this season, I believe, for Udinese in total, which comes to about five or six appearances, but he's only getting a couple of minutes at the end of the games. I understand he's 17, and with time, maybe that increases, but... There's been a serious lack of development of young players in Italian football, and especially in Serie A, Brian, because I have a stat here that I spoke to you about before the podcast started, and I'd like to mention it to the listeners. As of December, which is when the data was uh, most recently taken, the Primavera won, which is like the top flight of Primavera football in Italy, 32% of the players in Primavera 1 were not from Italy. So they were foreign-born or foreign players. They weren't Italian anyway. However, so there was two, that's one tour basically, which is a huge amount. However, at the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar, not a single player played at the World Cup that came up from an Italian academy. Now, obviously, Italy didn't qualify for a World Cup, but my point is that 32% of the Primavera won were not from Italy. And yet, at the World Cup, not a single player from an Italian academy played. At the, out of hundreds, not a single player at the World Cup yeah. was from a Serie A academy. Um, I think that's... I think yeah, that's it, shocking, really. I think because when you consider how talking, Italian football is massive and it's one of the top five leagues in Europe, according to the FIFA UEFA coefficients, sorry, FIFA coefficients, whatever... And yet they didn't have a single player at the World Cup from an Italian or from a Serie A academy. Sorry, it's, it's important to, to distinguish that. Like, it's a bit of a dark moment at the minute for the Italian national team too. They went through a, a really dark spell when Jean-Pierre Ventura was in charge and they didn't qualify over the 2018 World Cup. And it was really worrying times. Roberto Mancini took over and kind of managed to push a, a broken down car a couple of meters, and they won the Euros, and it was incredible. But then yeah. again, he the, the, the car just brought the car broke down again, and it was like, you know, it, it's shocking. It, it it's a shocking start, or and and because if you are playing thirty two percent of players that are non Italian on your academies, and then those players haven't qualified or, or haven't go and play for their national teams or something like that. Obviously, they're young and all that, but you can understand your process is not going good mm-hmm. or, or, or isn't going to be 
a good process because the players that are at Serie A didn't play like you know it, it, it's a crazy it's a shocking start it's really shocking and you have players like um wow so many names I, I want to show a start set a start here if you allow me to do that then it's great because I really love well we were talking about this off off record that we really love the primavera and the youth mm. Italian football well, we did a whole and, podcast on Alberto Aquilani's yeah, Fiorentina exactly. in the primavera yeah that's how that's how much we love primavera mm. we're, we're talking about teams yeah <laughs> on, on on the youth again Italian football but let me like show this to, to, to our listeners and just it, it's crazy the Serie A have used 14 teenagers and this is a, a stat shown by scouted football mm-hmm. Serie A used 14 teenagers this season and they have played 700 minutes it's unbelievable then if you see how many minutes the Bundesliga La Liga or Premier League, Premier League or League on have mm-hmm. bring to their youth players. The league on have bring 10,000 minutes yeah. to 34 teenagers. So that's the difference. And the other leagues doesn't go down from 2,600 minutes. So that's a huge amount, a huge difference. And, and what's the problem though, Brian? Because, well, like, what do you think is, is the issue? Because like, when I look at, especially at Juventus with their next gen Academy, it started up a couple of years ago. They moved yeah. away from, yeah. they kind of, but they, they, they bought so many, I don't want to say they bought them, but they brought in so many great young players. Like you have Englishman, Samuel Illing Jr. who came from Chelsea. I believe I wrote a scout report on him, a really exciting talent. You have Matthias Solle. I hope I said that correctly. Um, that midfield that I played only recently, and again, I'm, I, I apologize for butchering names, Benachere or some, I think his name was, he was either, he's, he's South American, I believe. Again, I've, I've, I've completely butchered his name for, for those cringing listening to me. I, I, I can only apologize. And they have like Fajoli and, and players like that. And I just think, what's the, what's the problem with, with Serie A coaches and academies and, and refusing to use what's in the academies like what why are so little minutes given to teenagers why is there such a lack of trust in Serie A for young academy players compared to a league like the Premier League where respectfully there's a lot more pressure in Premier League teams because relegation can be serious for clubs like that when they go down and the yeah. money the yeah. money that's in the Premier League is vastly superior to Serie A and your Premier League clubs are far more willing to give minutes to teenagers than a Serie A team. For me, you know, it's crazy because if you see the amount of talent Italy has, like just look at Faioli at the minute, you know, look at Faioli or Nicolo Rovella. Rovella, And, And then you have, it's crazy because you have this large amount of players Young player, even examples like Tonali or Barella, mm-hmm. you know, which thrive through 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 the academies to Inter Milan or or AC Milan, and right now, wow, they they are superstars at this moment at this area and even mm-hmm. the world, you know. And why then, if you have these kind of examples, and mainly Juventus, who have had so many good talents. In the recent years, 
that they haven't been given regular minutes and even they trust so much their academy that they don't make so much loans at Italy to, to their youngsters, you know, and players like Pafundi right now who has been playing, who has made his debut for Italy, you know, but then the other teams, normally you can think of this generational problem Italy had during 2010 until right now. It's a long decade between those problems and those squad the problems of not being that complete. Mm-hmm. Like if you take into account last Italy teams at, at the World Cup and they always have been developing so good youngsters and with this kind of uh, with this context of teams doesn't that doesn't give minutes to their players, players have started to go to other countries to develop. Yeah. You know, and it's crazy because you have a league that is really good to develop youth players, bringing them minutes and all that. But wow, it, it, it it's crazy because you have a generational problem of doesn't develop uh, of don't being developing that much young players or that the young players of a great talent, but then you doesn't give them minutes and so I, how you want to fix the problem. Yeah, but I don't mean to speak out of turn as well, but you also have a manager in charge of the national team who was unwilling to give young players a chance. He's un- unwilling to give... He's given a couple of young players a chance, but you can see by his team selections as well. You know, there's, yeah. I know I know there's jokes going around that Mancini hates Italians. <laughs> like, you know, there's a meme on social media because... He, he he seems to have an issue picking highly rated Italian players. Um, but how do we? We can't, of course. But how how would you go about fixing it? Like, I mean, I, if you're the 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 Italian federation, do you bring in a quota that teams have to play a certain amount of young players or have a certain amount of academy players in the squad, or or you know, because you also don't want to hinder. You also don't want to enforce too much of a quota because I mean, in the past, just going off. I remember in Europe there was the was it the three foreigner rule that was called where I remember like I wasn't born of course but Manchester United rocked up to the new camp one day against Johan Cruyff Barcelona and we had because you there was only you were only allowed to play something like three foreign players we had yeah. so many United had so many players top class players on the bench so you had the likes of like I believe Roy Keane was at the club at the time who's not English he's Irish of course. You know, you have players like Mark Hughes, who's not English. He's he's British. You've some, or he's Welsh. Sorry, Schmeichel. You know, a, a million other players who are non-English. So you can't, you know, putting that quota on teams can be a very damaging thing as well. But also, when you look at the stats we've provided, and you look at the the lack of the lack of opportunities for these young Italian players or just young players in general that are coming from Italian academies, it, it's quite frightening. And when we link it back into Simone Profondi, I worry for him. Because, yeah, okay, totally. he's 17, and I understand there's still a lot of development needed, and he may be in the future, he'll be a first-team star in Italian football. But when you look at the stats, like he's played 60 minutes this season only. That's only a couple of minutes at the end of, a few, I think, five or six games. So maybe 10 minutes in six games, you know, so it's kind of like, where do we, there's a serious blockage in front of him, if that makes sense, of, of it's really difficult for him to make it into that force team and stay there without having to go abroad and pursue that. 
yeah, it's a frightening um, start and story and all of this generational problem of Italy and all that. But it, it, this, the, I, I don't agree with this kind of rules, you know, to play uh, or, or or to have in the bench a young player and all that because mm-hmm. it, I really think in the process, I, I really agree with the process, you know, and young players need to to have this processes of um playing in the youth academy and then uh at the i don't know those kind of experiences you know they have to play there and they have to keep developing until they show like a really good um this really good potential to mm-hmm. be being on the bench and all that it, it's some players are really rapid in their process and with 17 or 18, they're playing on the first team and they don't have an issue with that, you know, but others do. And maybe you are burning out a young player because they aren't ready. They aren't ready. And it's a really tough decision to take. And then if you take that one of the foreign players, how you do that? Because at the minute, uh, AC Milan uh, superstar and best player is Rafael Leao and Inter Milan it's Lautaro Martinez um, mm-hmm. I don't know Juventus, uh, Di Maria it, it's crazy crazy to think um, how you can fix this but maybe just maybe we are going to start seeing more Italian players um, maybe with this, you know, Juventus context and all that, that they're giving minutes to Faioli and you have Rovella on the other side at Monza. Yeah. Maybe those kind of things can open the eyes of managers and even the, the, the you know, the, the staff or, or, or the, of mm-hmm. the teams to try and bring some minutes to the young players because they're doing so well, mainly Faioli at Juventus. You know, yeah, and the examples are there, and you have to be providing minutes to them. Seven hundred fifty-two minutes—it's just so little. It's so short. I mean, for, an, for, unless you know? I'm unless I'm forgetting a an obvious candidate, the only player that has came from a top side in recent years in Syria, and when I say recent, I mean the last seven years, is uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma, of course, who became a force-team member at AC Milan. And, and and unless I'm forgetting someone obvious, he's the best example I can think of of a player who came up and became a force-team player, whereas they, a lot of Italian players kind of make it in their early 20s, which isn't necessarily yeah. a bad thing. But as we said at the start earlier, there's a serious lack of, of willingness of coaches to give teenagers a chance in Syria. Exactly, and if you think of Barella or I don't know Tonali, they yeah. came from Cagliari or Brescia. Mm-hmm. Brescia, if I'm right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Tonali, yeah. So, how how much time you as a big club uh, you're going to to wait to give those players minutes, and they are so good. Even Fiorentina, we talk about them, and players like Dimo Krastev or Lorenzo mm-hmm. Lucchesi are so good. Elion Tocci as well in that Primavera side. Um, how look at the example of Tommaso Bovega, for example. You know, 
Yeah. How many years he has been waiting for his opportunity at Milan and at the moment he is having some minutes but not that regular minutes he wants so wow it's it's so tough and it's a really really tough debate and discussion for me and you and mainly for the people who are working for that but it's a tough debate because we don't have the answers but i just wanted to shed light on what is quite a, yeah. a damning a quite damning statistics surrounding the young players in Serie A that are not given a chance but we could go on talking about this forever Brian I actually quite enjoyed this chat but I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and 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 again I I really enjoyed talking about not only profoundly but quite a serious topic on the lack of chances and opportunities given to young Italian players not only in the national team but also in Serie A to all the listeners at home I hope you enjoyed as well and make sure to tune in on Friday for another regular episode of the TFA podcast. Also make sure to rate the podcast too and share it with your followers, friends and family as it really helps us to grow. Thank you all for listening and goodbye for now.